Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Glad you're here. There you go. All right, let's go ahead and get started. If you've got your handouts in front of you, we'll uh, jump right in. Today's lesson has two big parts. Uh, We'll do an introduction to uh, Bible study resources and the approaches that we're going to take as we go through Romans, and then we'll talk for a few minutes about an overview of Romans itself uh, and next steps and how we're going to move through Uh, the next few weeks, and then our table prayer time at the end. So, first question, going to toss out, want a little discussion here. I know that's a bit unusual for me, uh, but want some feedback on what resources exist for us to help us understand the Bible. What resources exist for us to understand the Bible? So, we got the Holy Spirit. We got what, Doug? The Bible. Great. Pastors and teachers, right? Yeah. Each other, right? So I would put pastors and teachers and each other in maybe a bigger category called maybe the church, right? Okay. Hand in the back, Dave. The text, yes, yes. So I'm glad we got the Bible twice. This is good. (laughs) Um, Anything else? Yes? Yeah, study Bibles, right? Absolutely. What else? Strong's Concordance, yes. Thank you very much. That might have been the first theologically oriented book on top of the Bible that I ever received. Uh, And I literally wore the spine of it out. Anything else? I dare to say the internet. The internet, yes. You dare to say. There are some good things there, right? Yes. Yes. Good. Yes, Miss Kristen. Different translations. Absolutely. Good. Good. Each other, yes. The church. Absolutely. All right, let's take a look. So um, I thought you might come up with those four categories, so I kind of put them in already. Uh, So we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got the Bible, we've got the church, and we've got tools, right? And if you're looking for the four numbered blanks at the top of your handout, that's what those four are. Uh, Number one, the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Bible. Number three, the church. Number four, tools. Uh, We will talk about why order matters uh, a lot today. So I want to make sure that we understand uh, where to put these and where not to put these. So uh, I have lunch with a lot of different people, and one of the guys that I had lunch with a few months ago, we were talking about this kind of a framework and a structure and how to talk about resources that we have. And we we put them in order of Holy Spirit, Bible, Church, Tools, and then we started playing around with the order a little bit, and then he said, you know what, I think there's a line that we're missing that we should draw. And so we drew a line in between the Holy Spirit and the Bible and church and tools, and this is the line of infallibility, 
right? So in your notes, if you want to draw a, li- draw a line in between, I have one in my notes, but I think I took it out in yours. In between the God's divine resources and man's human refor- resources, there's a line of infallibility. And I think we want to be very intentional and careful and purposeful about how we spend our time above the line and below the line. Now, I don't, I, I hope, I hope, nobody in this room would argue that the Holy Spirit in the Bible we should avoid in any way, shape, or form, right? I mean, we're going to go hard after and engage. And I also hope that, that we wouldn't think that we want to avoid the church and avoid tools that people in the church have created for us. These are very helpful, good things, right? So, so what, about, what about these things? All right, so the Bible and the Holy Spirit provide illumination. So God's divine resources provide illumination, and man's human resources provide confirmation, Okay. So perhaps you have studied something on your own. Perhaps you have worked through a text. Perhaps you have prayed and felt like, you know, I think, I think God is really speaking to me here. And then you hear a preacher or a teacher or you read something that helps to confirm what God has said to you. Right? All right. So with this structure in mind, I want to give us a gentle proposal. A very gentle proposal. This is how we typically do Bible study. Hi, my name is Jim, and this is how I have typically done Bible study. Big chunk of time on tools. A little bit of time, Holy Spirit. A little bit more time on Bible. Maybe I'll ask a few questions from different people. But this is typically my approach. Okay? This is a gentle proposal to Jim. You guys may benefit. I don't know. This is what I would propose, that we spend a lot more time asking the Holy Spirit for insight, a lot more time staring at the text, a lot more time talking to other believers, and a lot less time on tools that are good and helpful and positive, but they are not above the line of infallibility. Does this make sense? Everybody with me? All right, so I want to go real, real quick through this piece. Um, there was a great quote that I found. Uh, this guy, Larry Robertson, he's a pastor at Hilda Baptist. He says, the Bible is a load-bearing wall in our worship. And when we take it out, when we stare at tools and other things more than the text, we have problems because everything else crumbles and falls around us. So I want to talk about our approaches real quick. Uh, two verses, Psalm 4610, Psalm 377. Be still, know that I am God. When was the last time we did that? Like, literally took the phone and turned it all the way off, got in a quiet place, and were still, and just focused on the fact that God is God. But I don't, I don't do this nearly as often as I should. So this, today's lesson is for Jim. Hi, my name is Jim. I need this. Um, So our other approach is going to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. There are things that he wants to tell us that do not happen if we rush. Let me say that again. There are things he wants to tell us that do not happen if we rush. So we're going to slow down as we go through this process. All right. So um, some of you know uh, the movie that this screenshot is taken from. It's one of my favorite movies. It's got gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of awesome quotes in it. This is a scene from the very end. Uh, This guy's name is Josh Waitskin. Does that help anybody? What's the movie? Searching for Bobby Fischer. Yes, it is. Have you seen this movie? It's a movie about chess. You're going, nope, I'd flip right past that, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
he's, it's, it's actually based on a true story. Uh, and I'm going to give you a quote from Josh Waitzkin, the adult Josh Waitzkin. He's about 40 now. And he's, this, this is the fictional account of, of his first uh, youth championship. I think he was six or seven when he won it. <laughs> Come on, right? I mean, this is ridiculous. But his teacher had taught him how to visualize the board and think a few moves ahead. And he's playing a kid who just made a mistake. And he knows the kid made a mistake, but he doesn't know where the mistake is. He knows there's something wrong with what the kid has just done. And he realizes this, and he stops. And this is the opposite of what most of us do. Hi, my name's Jim. I want to go, and I want to furiously engage and do something, because I feel like I need to do something. There's a mistake made, and I can actively overcome. Nope, hang on. Stop. And his teacher, he hears the words of his teacher in his head. And his teacher's words were, don't move until you see it. Don't move until you see it. Don't move until you see it. And that's what your next blank is. Our approach is going to be, don't move until you see it. Because we rush way too often with the text. Just slow down and don't move until you see it. And when it gets difficult, and it will, we're about to study Romans, guys. (laughs) Yes. Um, Don't move until you see it. Lean into the difficulty. Now, the, the opposite of this approach is hurry, which implies my timeline is better than God's timeline. Applied daily to forehead, right? That's bad. All right, so uh, the next thought here for our approach, uh, number two, what is this a picture of? Anybody know? Rockefeller Center, yes. And this is the tree at Rockefeller Center. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife and Caleb and Anna Grace and I were about right here, because down there was craziness, right? Absolute craziness. Has anybody ever been to Rockefeller Center on Christmas Day and seen the tree on Christmas Day? Uh, There's three hands raised right now, Uh, and Julian and Grace and uh, Caleb, who's not in the room right now, my son and I have, and when we were there, I'm going to conservatively say a quarter of a million people, probably closer to half a million people within a couple of blocks of this, And, and it was... It was not a, Sean, can you help me for a second? It was not a, oh, you've got plenty of space. I'll be courteous and defer and let you move around as you. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, I want you to bump me hard. Um, so so I'm, we're trying to get over there, and here we go. And, I mean, it's just as much as I can do. And I'm, my, thank you, I'm done. Um, <laughs> my teeth hurt when we finished. From gritting my teeth and leaning in. (laughs) Now, I have a 12-year-old son, and I'm holding him, and my wife is holding my daughter. And and I was not holding my 12-year-old son. Can I hold your hand for a second? I was not holding his hand like this. Let me hold your other hand. Sometimes when you hold your kid's hand, you hold your kid's hand. I was not holding his hand like this. This is how I had him. It was one of my mental mindset was, I'm going to hold him like Jesus has me. He is, when we got done, he had a bruise around his arm. But we didn't lose him. <laughs> this was important. <laughs> um, he told me, poor guy, he told me he got elbowed in the face twice. Because <laughs> he's short, you know. So we, he, like, oh, now you can see? Great. Drop down and all he sees is humanity, right? <laughs> it was crazy. So, um, my approach for him was I want him to stay very, very close. We're, we're putting no distance between us because distance means I could lose him. And I am, <laughs> I am not about losing my kid. 
not about losing my kid. Uh, so our second approach is going to be stay close to the text. Hi, my name's Jim. I get in trouble when I get away from the text. When I say, well, it probably, probably implies maybe the second derivative of that is this over here. Well, it, it might not, too. So let's stay real close to the text. So we're not going to move until we see it, and we're going to stay close to the text. Because when we get far apart from the text, um, this implies sometimes that, um, that we know better than God's word does. Or we're trusting some other man's words over God's words. Uh, Josh Waitzkin, the guy that I told you I was going to tell you about in just a second, he's, uh, he doesn't speak very often, but when he does, um, doesn't speak publicly very often, but when he does, it's fairly profound stuff. And a guy named Tim Ferriss has a podcast, and Josh Waitzkin's been on Tim Ferriss' podcast a couple times, and Waitzkin talked about uh, uh, philosophy. He said, you know, one of the things that I found is that I don't like reading people who have read philosophy and comment on that. I like reading the philosophers directly, because I don't want to study uh, philosophologists. And I thought, oh my, what have I done? Have I dedicated my life to be a commentologist? So where I study commentaries, or have I dedicated my life to study the text? So for us, I think the challenge may be uh, being the text versus a commentologist, and that is a completely made-up word. Uh, all right, so I had lunch with another guy this week. His name is Billy Simmons. He teaches a class at the, at the Chattanooga campus. And we were talking through one of the challenges that he's had in his life in the last couple of years, and he lost a grandson. Tragic, tragic, tragic accident. Uh, and he said, what we found in the emergency room when I was staring at my dead grandchild. Now, when you start a sentence with that, I feel like I'm going to pay attention and lean in and, and listen up here, right? He said, what we found when we were sitting in the emergency room staring at my dead, dead grandchild is that we fight like we're trained. And that we're going to respond in the way in which we have prepared to respond. And if I have prepared to respond to the challenges in my life by studying commentaries, then I'm going to respond that way. But if I have prepared to respond to the challenges in my life by studying the text, then I'm going to respond that way. And only one of these is living. And, and we're going to lean that direction. All right, so part two is an overview of Romans. Uh, so who wrote Romans? Paul wrote Romans. Yes, there's your next blank. Uh, Paul wrote Romans. It's the epistle to the Romans. We, we call Romans a book sometimes. It's really not a book. It's a letter. Uh, an epistle is a fancy word for a letter. Uh, my favorite joke in this space, and I'm going to tell it every time I talk about epistles. Brent Bass asked one time in a small group setting what an epistle was. He thought that was the wife of an apostle. I love that man. <sighs> he has provided me so much material over the years. I should probably write him a check. It'd be good. Uh, all right, so where is Romans in the Bible? All right, go to the uh, contents page of your Bible, the very front. For those of you that have a hard copy, go to the contents page of your Bible. Some of you are like, Jim, I know how to get to Romans. Great, I'm going to show you why it's where it is. <clears throat> This is my favorite uh, source of beautiful theological things, visualtheology.com. A guy named Tim Challies runs a website. He put this together. It's stunning. I love it. So most of you have uh, a page in the front of your Bible that looks something like this where there's a... Some of you are like, we found the contents. That's awesome. Good. Um, there's an Old Testament section at the top. There's a New Testament section at the bottom. So obviously Romans is in the New Testament. We good? 
then you come to the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then Acts. And then there's a stretch from Romans all the way down to Philemon. So what's special about those books? Anybody know? Yeah, Paul wrote those. Paul wrote those letters. I even said it myself. What's special about those books? They're not books. They're letters. What's special about those letters? Paul wrote those letters. What's special about the Hebrews to Jude? Not Paul wrote those letters. Okay? We call those general epistles. So what word do we use when we not, we're not sure what to describe a group? General. That's fine. That sounds good. Great. So how do we organize these things? So up here... Old Testament's on the left, New Testament's primarily on the right. These two orange rows are Paul's letters. This row is the general epistles. So you got the Gospels, the history, the letters, and then the apocalyptic uh, literature. So why are these in the order that they're in? Literally just the biggest. So that's where it goes. Uh, it's the longest in that group of letters. All right, so when and where was Romans written from? Uh, I'm going to start my chipping away at the authority of your commentary. Your next blank, when and where was Romans written from? Probably around 57 to 58 AD during this third missionary journey. Uh, I found this guy this week. I've actually used him a couple times in the past, but he responds to emails. This guy's name is uh, Barry. And visualunit.me makes phenomenally awesome theological graphics. And I made a little donation to his website, and he responded almost instantly, hey, if there's everything you want me to create, let me know, and I'll create it for you. <laughs> I'm drooling now. So uh, this is a, a kind of a high-level view of a lot of stuff that's going on in the New Testament. So the top line is all about Jesus. The next line is all about Paul. This is the rulers in Palestine, so the, the, the Jewish guys, and then the Roman emperors. Uh, which overlaid on top of each other makes a lot of those sentences and acts make a lot of sense. There's a lot of data on here. So if you think about where Romans was written, Paul went on his first missionary journey, his second missionary journey, his third missionary journey, and somewhere in there he wrote to the Romans. Uh, and then he goes on and does other things. So this is toward the end of his earthly ministry, but not at the very, very end, just to give you... A perspective on this. Uh, now, in the PowerPoint, there are a couple other maps, uh, and I am not going to go into a lot of detail here because there's a couple other things I want to focus on today. I just want you to see that uh, he's got three major missionary journeys. He had planned to go to Spain, somewhere over in Spain. We're not sure exactly where in Spain, but somewhere over in Spain. We're not sure he ever got there. The Bible doesn't say that he did. There's some late, late, late first century and early second century notes from some church fathers that say that he did get there. We're not really sure. It also doesn't really matter because we have the scripture that we're supposed to have. But he's writing probably from uh, the Corinth area to the Romans talking about how that's going to be a stop along his way. What happens before he's able to do all that is the Roman Empire. Right? And God uses that to give us the prison epistles, which is really good for all of us, right? Because can you imagine, can you imagine the New Testament without Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians? Oh, oh, oh my goodness. So if you're interested in maps and figures and charts, then you can go to the PowerPoint and look at all of that. So the big question that everybody wants to ask is what is Romans about? Do you see the space on your handout for what is Romans about? You see that at the bottom of that page? Awesome. Do you see that there's a blank there? <clears throat> Is there a blank there, Amy? 
There's, there's just a big space, right? Okay, great. So one of the things that we did last week is that we distributed resources, and I asked you to read the introduction to your resource and email me any insights or observations or helpful thoughts, and gobs of you did. Over a dozen of you did this, and thank you very much. And I'm going to give you some of your own feedback that you gave me. So John Stott says that Romans is about freedom and justification in faith. Uh, Mount says it's about the gospel. Schreiner says it's about resolving conflict between Jews and Gentiles, unifying the church and glorifying God. Ironside says it's about the righteousness of God. Who's right? Yeah. Some letters in the New Testament have a sentence that says, I'm writing to you because, and they fill in a blank. Romans does not do that. Romans covers a lot of ground in a lot of different perspectives. Now, here's, I'm going to take another chip at the infallibility of a commentary. I'm going to read something from uh, Moo, M-O-O. Guy's last name is Moo, right? I'm not making this up. It literally says it on the spine of the book. I should have brought it in. The question of the purpose of Romans has been, uh, has been given so many different answers because Paul says almost nothing on the subject. A, a focus area of one part of the book is not the same as the focus book. I keep saying it. A focus area of one part of the letter is not the same as the focus area of another part of the letter. Have you ever communicated to somebody and had more than one purpose when doing so? You're like, yes, pretty much every conversation ever. Unless the kid's in the middle of the road, then it's get your butt out of the middle of the road, and that's pretty much the central focus of the... And then you switch gears to punishment, right? So you're always still... You've got more than one communication path that we're about. Romans does this absolutely as well a lot. All right. So what's the blank there? What goes there? If you want to put a lot of stuff, I'm completely happy with that. If you want to put a lot of stuff about salvation-oriented things, I'm fine with that. Um, there's a lot of things. It, it is very possible that the Holy Spirit had much to say through Paul and said it all. Right? I'm okay with that. I'm, my, my theology is open enough to handle that. All right. Backside of your handout. Uh, how is Romans organized? It is, it is important for us to understand Paul's background just a little bit. Otherwise, you might get frustrated with the way that he talks. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that their way that they approached communication frustrated you? Yes. <laughs> Hi, my name's Jim. Sorry. Um, have you ever had a conversation with somebody who you felt took a long time to get to the point of what they are trying to say? Now, for the health and safety of those in the room, I would encourage you not to nudge the person next to you at this point. Um, Paul can feel like this because Paul was trained to be a what? A lawyer. Paul had a law degree, and his law degree was in the law. That's why they called him a lawyer, because the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, he was smart enough and studied enough to pronounce judgments and to make decisions about the law. So they called him a lawyer. So he knew the Bible so well that other people went to him for advice and perspective. He was the living commentary of his day. He was very, very good at this. How do lawyers communicate? Arguments. Yes, so that's your next two blanks. Romans is an argument because Paul is a lawyer. So, as you read through Romans... 
look for the arguments. What is he arguing? Why is he arguing that? Why did he do it in this order? What's the conclusion of his argument? And he'll not only only argue something, he'll bring up the other side's objection and then argue against that. And then bring up another objection and argue against that. He's laying out a written document that will let us understand his side and his perspective, the other side, and the rebuttal to that. And he does it over and over and over again. And if you're not looking at the bigger picture of he's making an argument here, you can get very frustrated with that. So I will tell you, Look for the arguments. This is the perfect picture for why the ESV. Um, so I want you all to look at this for just a second. So we're using the ESV, the English Standard Version, for our study of Romans. How many of you know what translation I have used for a long time in this class? New King James. Why do we use New King James? That's what our church uses. It's a lot easier to use and hear what we're going to hear out there, and away we go. Uh, What I have found is that we have gotten very familiar with certain words and phrasings of things. And uh, I want you all to cover up one of your eyes right now. So you're looking through the other eye. Okay? And then find something to focus on. I'm looking at Lynn Rice's ear. Okay? (laughs) So I got Lynn Rice's ear. And then I want you to cover up your other eye and uncover the eye that you just had covered. Do you, like, the thing that I was, Lynn, your ear moved, like, just a little bit. (laughs) Not a lot, but just a little bit, right? So why did it move? Yeah. Now, are my eyes giving me a lot of, like, massive perspective difference? No, I don't need much. I, I need a little every once in a while, though, right? This is the best definition I ever heard for marriage. A good marriage is... Closely aligned, different perspectives. I thought that was pretty good. Right? Now, you've seen marriages, or I don't, I don't want to stare at anybody right now. Maybe you've been in one uh, that was uh, not aligned in different perspectives. That is, that is we call that cross-eyed um, when you have somebody, right? Uh, and it's challenging and hard and difficult and, you know, it's the way this is. But I think what the ESV does for us is it gives me just a little bit of a different perspective on the actual words. And it's still very, very good. I think the phrase that you have in your text and on your handout is essentially literal. So we're picking the ESV because everybody has two eyes. And I don't want us to move too quickly through something that's very familiar. And um, I don't know if you've ever taught anything before, but the most difficult thing in the world to teach is something that everybody already knows. Right? Because then you have to make it fresh and new. No, you don't. This book's alive. I don't have to make this new. It already is new. Every single day it's new. Every single day it's alive. I have the easiest job in the world. I just try not to screw it up. <laughs> I get Jim out of the way in between the text and you, and this is success. Uh, so a couple things to be aware of. The reading level for the ESV is almost identical to the New King James. So the difficulty level that we had with words in the New King James is going to be about the same with the ESV. Uh, but there's no capitalization of divine pronouns with the ESV. So when you see the word him, you got to be paying attention to context to know if it's talking about Jesus or the Father or the Spirit or Paul or somebody he's talking to. So you have to be a little better uh, readers as we think through those ideas. Now, does anybody carry a physical calendar? Like, a, uh, like I have a calendar. You carry a calendar? Do you have it with you right now? 
You do? Awesome. Can you get it out for me real quick? I just need to look at something. I need to validate a number real quick. <clears throat> what year is at the top of your calendar? 2017. Excellent. All right. Does anybody know why we're doing Romans in 2017? Anybody know what happened 500 years ago? Dave Barber? It's uh, uh, Martin Luther. Yeah. In 2015, I decided to do Romans in 2017 because somebody I read some article and said, in a couple of years, we're going to celebrate the whatever 500 year means, uh, anniversary of the Reformation. <clears throat> the text that I'm about to read to you, we're going to read Romans 1, 1 through 17 here in just a second. Uh, the text that I'm about to read to you is the text that while Luther was studying the original languages, the Holy Spirit used to convict and burden his heart that something was wrong with the church that he was going to. That it didn't look like this text said that you could buy your way into heaven. It looked like there was something different there. Uh, and Luther's discontent and the Holy Spirit's relentless pursuit of seeing a life used for what it was designed to be used for resulted a couple of years later in a massive reformation against the Catholic Church. So 500 years ago, the text that we're about to read was used by the Holy Spirit to start something like the world had never seen before. So, in lieu of that, would you please stand as we read Romans 1, 1 through 17. Now, if you have an ESV or an ESV Bible, please feel free to uh, read along silently. If you don't, you'll notice that there is a brown Bible on the table. That's an ESV copy. Uh, Lifeway sells these for five bucks. It was awesome. Julie and I went there yesterday and got a bunch. There's also at every table a, uh, yes, good, you got them, a packet of uh, paper that is just the text of Romans in the ESV. And I'm going to read the first 17 verses as we go through. Now, I, I wanted to read the entire text of Romans. The problem with that is that I have not been able to get my oral reading of Romans under 43 minutes. I can't do it. It's just too many words. Uh, and reading it this fast doesn't really do the text. It, it doesn't make any sense. So I've even played it back at a higher speed. Can't get it done. This won't work. So I will not be able to live my dream of reading the entire text of Romans in Sunday school, but I will do it at some point and record it so that you can listen to it if you want, because I know that's what you want to listen to all the time is Jim reading old dead guys literature, right? Good. Here we go. Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers 
asking that somehow by God's will I may now at least succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. You may be seated. I love that text. That is a beautiful text. All right, our schedule. So between now and Easter, we're going to get through Romans 1 through 4. So if you think we're going to go fast, nope. Remember that slide that I did a couple months ago about the speed bumps? We're going to put hundreds of speed bumps in our way to slow down and slow down and slow down. This is crockpot theology. This is not microwave theology, okay? We're going to slow down. From Easter to Labor Day, we're going to get through Romans 5 through 11, and then from Labor Day to Christmas, 12 through 16. Okay? A nice steady pace. Every time the ESV has a header. So if you look at the text and you see the greeting and then longing to go to Rome and then the righteous shall live by faith, that's a lesson for us. And if that text inside that header is more than 12 to 14 verses, that's going to be two lessons because we're just not going to go fast. Okay? So that's our pace as we're going to go through. Now... Just to remind you, you have homework, and the homework's in three different categories. We talked last week about our orthodoxy, being ready to learn, our orthopraxy, being ready to serve, and our orthopathy, being ready to engage. So every single week when you come in, this is the idea, this is the get ready, this is how we prepare. Our resources, order matters, remember, the Holy Spirit. Before you read the text, will you, just a gentle, a gentle suggestion, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. If, if I, I, have, I have a couple books in my library that are signed by the author. And I've gotten to meet them and ask them questions about the work that they wrote. We get to talk to the author. And the author wants to tell us things about what the author wrote. So let's ask, right? And then stay with the text. Uh, we have a, a Sunday school Facebook group. I would encourage you to get involved and engage and ask questions and get dialogue going there. Uh, and then some tools. And I want to show you the website that I built real quick. So if you go to bit.ly slash Romans 2017, this is our Sunday school um, page for 2017 for all the different stuff. So I'm going to remind you every time you show up, you need to be talking about the Holy Spirit and the Bible. And I'm going to give you a link to the text of Romans. It pops up that that um, document that's on the page on the table right there. I'm also going to give you links to every single chapter of the Greek of Romans. You don't have to know how to read Greek. You have to know how to use a mouse. You can click on a word. It'll tell you what the word means. Okay? We're playing theological t-ball here, guys. <laughs> if you can use a mouse, you can do this. Uh, then we come to the line of infallibility. Please spend more time above the line than below it. Uh, the church, this will link you back to our Facebook group, and then some tools. In the tools section, I've given you some commentaries. These are the ones that I think are pretty good. <clears throat> okay? 
Uh, and then at the bottom, the teaching schedule for 2017. But this is our process. Every single week, what I want us to do is ask the Holy Spirit for help, read Romans a lot, talk to somebody else in our class about Romans, and then read your resource and send me an email. If you click on the link, it'll send me an email uh, with quotes and or insights from the resource. So you see the bottom of your page on the back side of your handout, our process. Who are we going to ask for help? The Holy Spirit, yes. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit for help. I would love for each of us to read Romans, the entire book, once a week, and then the text that we're going to be studying as often as you can during that week. And, and, and something I found a couple weeks ago, um, you know, hi, I'm Jim, I'm fallible, I'm broken, I am depraved, uh, and I miss a lot of stuff. And if I go into the text with the assumption that I'm missing things, I will slow down. So read the text with the assumption that you're missing something. Like, I'm not getting all this. Obviously, we're not getting all this. I'm not the author. (laughs) The author got it all, and nobody else has. Uh, Talk to somebody else in our class about Romans, and then if you've got a resource that you've been given uh, by me last week or this week, then read through that, give me that feedback, and the last blank is Wednesday. Because if you can get that to me by Wednesday, then I can bake that into the lesson for the next week and include some different things. Now, was there anybody here last week that did not get a resource that wanted a resource? I gave... Two out this morning already. Anybody else? Excellent. Good. I'm going to try to do that most weeks. Now, here's the deal. If I give you a book, this is not a free book. I kind of may have said that last week. I want something from you. This is quid pro quo here. This is not salvation, okay? This is quid pro quo. I give you a book, you give me feedback every single week. And if you don't, for a couple of weeks, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to take the book back. (laughs) There's little GPS trackers in every single one of them. I know where they are at all times. No, there's not. That would be awesome, though. We should figure that out. That would be awesome. What text are we reading next week? Careful. Careful. Romans 1, 1 through 7. There you go. I purposely read more than we're going to study next week. We're just Small chunks, small chunks, small chunks. And our assumption is that we're missing something. So slow down and read it often. Sound good? I cannot. I got up at 5.05 this morning, so excited to come to church this morning to teach this today. All right, so let's do our uh, table prayer time. Uh, So see the weekly update at your table. I also have ADHD, and I will do that from time to time. Uh, see the weekly update at your table, review and update any prior prayer requests, write down the new ones, lean and engage, pray as a table, and then uh, clean up and move to the auditorium. Thanks for coming today, guys.